0: Well hello everyone and welcome to this weekend, whether you're in Bellevue or downtown, whether it's Saturday night or Sunday, maybe you're watching this message at a different point in the week. We are so glad that you are with us. Now, this week is going to be somewhat of a pre-message to the new series that we're going to be heading into at each campus. I'll be taking this week, and then in the weeks ahead, uh, you'll be hearing from Bill Van Kirk, who's our outreach pastor, as well as our downtown campus pastor, Adam Jackson, who is our campus pastor here in Bellevue, as well as our discipleship or adult ministries pastor, Uh, Jeff Pittman, who's our executive pastor, and Ryan Groshek, who oversees our family ministries. Today, though, I'm going to be walking us through some ground-level stuff for the weeks that are ahead Today's gonna stay at a high level and hopefully will set the tone and prepare you for what they'll be talking about in the weeks to come. I wanna start though with a question Did you ever in school have the assignment of making a family tree? Maybe walking through your history and looking back at timelines and when your family maybe came to this country or when they, uh, when your parents met or your grandparents, what your great grandparents did, where your roots were in some European country or little cottage somewhere. It's exciting and fun to do because you always learn something different. And it's crazy when you come across people and you look at their picture and you're like, that looks like Uncle Jeff. That looks like my cousin, and it's people who lived all these years ago, but it's a a DNA trail. Maybe you find out about personality types, or even physical traits, or even illnesses that have run in your family. It's all part of your family tree. It's a trip down a DNA path that you don't always know what you're going to find. I've had to do this a couple of different times in life, and it's always an adventure. One time I sat down with my grandmother, Grandma Beach, uh, who passed away at 99 and a half years old. But she was sharp right up to the end, and I had to ask her, tell me about my family tree on my mom's side. My dad knew pretty well his, and I'll get to that in a minute. But Grandma Beach started telling me about our family tree, and I learned about some people who are in my history that I knew nothing about. One of them is a guy by the name of Miles Standish. Now, you can go back in history and find out a lot about Miles Standish. Not all of it's good, but here's this historical figure that I'm related to. According to Grandma Beach. So Miles Sandish is somewhere in my history. Also in my history is JL Kraft, Kraft macaroni and cheese, Kraft cheese. Whatever that's actually made out of, I don't know. But Kraft is part of my family heritage. And somewhere along the lines, he sold the rights to the family name off. And that's when the company took off. But he's the guy who started it all. And when I think about cheese being in my family tree, I understand why I enjoy Wisconsin so much. It just seems to make sense. All of these people, though, little by little, make up who I am. When I look at my family tree and I go to my dad's side of the tree, I have mobsters who have done prison time and hung out with big names that you would know if I started dropping gangster names. I have tailors who came over from Italy to work in the garment district in New York. Winemakers. All on my dad's side. Such an Italian-European mix. And then on my mom's side, my grandfather was a preacher. Going back, there were Quakers. My grandmother's side of the family started in uh, Missouri. There were, uh, as I mentioned, preachers and Quakers. And then there's my grandfather's grandfather, who was a horse thief. So you never know what you're going to find when you break into your history, when you look at your family tree. Now, today you can almost cheat. Because there's things like 23andMe, and there's all these DNA tests where they can take a little swab out of your mouth, or you can spit in a jar and send it in. And they'll be able to tell you everyone you've ever been related to, all the way back to like uh, Adam and Eve. And they can run the trail of your family. And it's fun and it's exciting. They can tell you what genetic traits you have, or could have, or that you're prone to. But the weird thing, because my brother did this, and obviously his and mine matched, it was amazing to see how many parts of the world our family had touched. But we started receiving messages from people all over the country who it turns out that we're related to. I don't know them. They don't know me. But somehow we're family. And if you trace the family tree long enough, you go back to what, uh, to who you're related to. Now, All of that is fun and fine and makes for great history and fun for trivia and to find out some stuff and maybe make a poster for your wall of of who your family was and is. But how do we do it well? And how do we leave a testimony for when people look back to our time on this earth, our season of serving, of being alive, What does it look like to do it well? What does it look like to have a right story for those who will follow and look back on our lives one day? That's going to be part of what this Family Tree series is about. In this series, we want to look at how to do this in real time. How do I live it out now with my family and leave a legacy for the future? By the way, as we talk about Family Tree and you look at the the graphic, for this series, I want to remind you that this is Wisconsin seven months from now. We'll get there. We're not there yet. There's still a little too much white stuff on the ground for that. Um, but when it comes to family, getting back to family, COVID changed a lot of things. And that's really the time when this series began to be a conversation piece within our staff, within other, with ministry leaders, uh, both in family, student ministry, counseling ministry, because COVID changed the game. For some, it was a good thing. You lived in the same space. You were home for a long time. Maybe you had to deal with sickness together and it brought you closer together as a family. For others, it drove a wedge in your home and was divisive. For some of you, you got to know extended family better than you ever had. And for others, you got to know them better than you ever had and you regret it. Some good. Some not so much. Now, this is not going to be one of our typical family series. Instead, we're going to look at issues, challenges, and opportunities that affect families, all families, all parts of the family. I'll talk a little bit more of that in just a moment, but family is more than just what we think of when we see a picture from Leave it to Beaver years ago, or or even the Brady's from the 70s, or whatever you think of with family. You are a part of a family no matter what stage of life you're in. How do we do it well? So we'll be picking up topics that deal with the family tree. We'll be picking the topics off the tree, such as legacy and generations. What does it look like to leave a good legacy for the generations to come? Marriage, when life is hard. Because marriage is not always easy. I think we all know this, but sometimes it's a healthy reminder to remember that we persevere through it. Discipleship in the family, whatever that family looks like. What does it look like to disciple technology and the family? Some of you are asking, wait a minute, is technology in the Bible like did Paul or Peter ever have their phone taken away by their parents? No, it's not that, but the principles of what we see in scripture apply today, even to this area of technology. We're going to talk about expanding the family. What does it look like to move beyond our nuclear family, those that we may be used to seeing every day? What does it look like to expand our family? Here's a tough one we're gonna talk about forgiveness in the family. Because sometimes things happen and it's hard to get over and it's hard to forget that it's happened. Now we say forgive and forget and I've heard people say I'll never forgive myself if I forget that this happened. So how do we do it well? How do we do it biblically? Forgiveness in the family. Now for some of you, you're, you're hearing these topics and you may be squirming already. And I want to give you just a a little backdrop. If you're interested in more information on family, we've done a couple of other family series through the years. In 2016, we did one called Family Matters. I'd encourage you to go back. You can look at the topics. Those, we were a little more specific on things like husbands and wives and children and more targeted to people groups. This one's going to be a, a little more broad in its approach to the family tree. And then in 2019, we did a series entitled Make or Break. And it was all about the relationships, specific to relationships within family. You can go and look either of those up on our YouTube page and find out the information there as well. One other thing I want to say in regard to family and especially to husbands and wives, and it's this, please look into this marriage seminar we have coming up because I want you to understand the best time to go to a marriage seminar is not when things are falling apart. Sometimes, honestly, you're too late at that point. If things are in a, in, the, in a bad place, go. You're going to learn. I, I know Brad. I know his wife. Well, they speak from experience. They're phenomenal. I'd encourage you to be there. But maybe you're looking right now going, you know what? Things are pretty good. I don't, I don't need a marriage seminar. We got it together. Good. Go now. Be preventative. Take your vitamin C now so you don't get sick later. Learn now while you have the chance. This season at Spring Lake, we want to be about healthy families. Now, my goal today, as I said earlier, is to set the table with some baseline stuff for this series. Now, this is going to be a back-and-forth series. We'll do a message here, and the next week it'll be done downtown. The message that's done downtown will come back here. So hunker down at a campus. And for those of you who watch online, each campus uh, puts its services up during the week. So if you miss Sunday, you can catch up during the week as well. And one last note about this series. It's going to be a little different than what we finished last week uh, with the Corinthian series. Some of you may be new to Spring Lake. We like to use different teaching methods to teach all of Scripture. What the Bible calls the, the, the entirety of the wisdom of Scripture or the counsel of Scripture. When we did Corinthians, we went line by line, chapter by chapter, through the book. This isn't going to be what they call expository. This is not going to be an expository type of series. This is going to be what's called a systematic type of series. What does the Bible say about, and then we're going to deal with a topic from what Scripture says about it. Just like you do with systematic theology, you take a topic, You take heaven, you take hell, you take angels, you take the future, you take Jesus, you take any of these issues, and you can say, what does the Bible say about? And that's what systematic theology is. So we're going to be doing a systematic study, a systematic theology study of the family, of the family tree in this series. So here's the first point Prior to actually starting the series, here's the first point for today on the basis of our family tree. And I want you to hear this. There is no such thing as a normal family. There is no such thing as a normal family. I've heard people say, if my family could just be like that family. And then I've heard others say, I thank God that my family is not like that family. There is no such thing as a normal family. Your family is not perfect and never will be. I know I've said this a lot of times at Spring Lake, but I think as parents, as aunts and uncles, maybe as grandparents, we wanna get it perfect. But you're not perfect, I'm not perfect. We're not going to get it, perfect. I remember as a dad with small kids telling myself, I just want a biblical home as an uncle to my brother's kids, my my sister's uh, stepchildren. I just want to be that godly example, a biblical example in the home. As a dad, I wanted to get it perfect. As a son, I wanted to be a good example. I wanted to have that biblical relationship. And that's not bad. But I want us to get a grasp on something on what some families in the Bible did. Because not all Bible families were perfect. I want to walk you through a couple of them. I'm just going to read some of these stories. Let's take, uh, take a look at biblical families all the way back to the beginning. You would think the first family would have an advantage with only God to look back on as their parents. But Adam and Eve both ate the fruit and both tried to pass the buck to avoid the responsibility. Then one of their son murdered another one of their son and became a fugitive to avoid persecution. I can't believe there was a single Thanksgiving where someone said, so, how's Cain doing these days? Nobody asked. There's a biblical family. Second example, Isaac in the Old Testament had twin boys. Their names were Jacob and Esau. Jacob duped his brother Esau into giving him his inheritance and his mom actually helped fool him. So Esau set out to kill him. Jacob ran to his weird uncle Laban's house who then duped Jacob by giving him his daughter in marriage. Problem, it wasn't the daughter he actually wanted to marry. He hid her face, had, him, had Jacob work for seven years to hand off the daughter he did not want to marry. There's family for you. Then he works another seven years so he can have a second wife so sisters are married to this guy. We're not even gonna go into that. Number three, how about Joseph from the Old Testament? He's sold to a band of Egyptian slave traders by his brothers who then fooled their parents into thinking he was dead. Now, you may hate your brother or sister, you may not get along, but to sell him into slavery to think they're gone forever so you don't have to deal with them, that's problematic. That is a biblical family. How about King David? King David's family was the ultimate mess. This is a Netflix special in the making. His firstborn son, Amnon, was a rapist. His secondborn son, Absalom, tried to take his dad's job and slept with his dad's wives. And his seventhborn son, Solomon, who ended up becoming king and was described as the wisest man to ever live, married everyone he wanted to sleep with. This is a biblical family. Okay, how about Jesus' family? You know, there have been times where I have forgotten my kids' places. Maybe I'm the only one who's ever done this. Oh, we left Joey at church. We gotta turn around and go back. But I usually figure it out pretty quick. I don't like leave them for days. Jesus' parents... Jesus is 12 years old, and Mary and Joseph leave him in Jerusalem when they're traveling back to Nazareth. It took a full day before they realized that their son was not with them. Now, I figured it out in a maybe an hour or two-hour time frame. Just kidding. Usually it's like very short time. One time we left our two-year-old asleep on the couch and walked out the door and left. Thank goodness she was asleep and doesn't remember it. But sometimes things happen and you think, I'm a terrible parent. No, there's no such thing as this normal picture of perfection. Believe me, this list goes on too. Some of you right now are thinking for the first time in your life, dang, I have a biblical family. That doesn't mean we want to live there. How do we improve with that? But I also want to tell you there's the other side. There's other examples of biblical families. And I'm just going to give one because some of the other guys are going to be talking about this later in this series. Timothy in the book of 1st and 2nd Timothy but in 1st Timothy Paul gives Timothy a shout out and then says, "Man, you are blessed because of what's been poured into you by your mother and your grandmother." That's a biblical relationship, a biblical legacy being handed down. Maybe you're single today and you've heard over and over that there's something normal In marriage, this series will not leave you out. You don't have to be married to be normal. Please hear me say that loud and clear. You don't have to be married to be normal. I've seen people marry out of desperation on this lie right here and live to regret it. I'd rather you be right than desperate. We're gonna talk in every series about what it means to be a biblical family, to have a family tree, no matter what stage of life you're in. Listen, if you're single, you're still part of a family, your birth family, your extended family. as Jeff's going to talk about later in this series, your expanded family. So don't cut this series off just because you're hearing some points on um, husbands and wives. You are not just a one-off-topic message. You are an integral part of the family tree, of your extended family, of your church family, of your expanded family. We're going to be talking about that in this series as well. As we talk through some of this series on our tree, don't get sucked also in this. Don't get sucked into the comparison game. Don't get sucked into the comparison game. There is no such thing as the one perfect normal. Comparison games can happen with families, with singles, with students, with marriages. Start right where you are. Start right where you are and begin steps forward. You don't like them. You're looking at another family and maybe you're jealous. You don't like them because you can't be like them. And you're not meant to be like them. You're not them. Be who God has called you to be. There's no win. Remember this. There's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. Start with who you are individually. Start with who you are if you're married. Start with who you are and the family you're in and how God has called you and wired you. And then as we look at the family tree, we're going to see how it all comes together. That's one thing I hope you take away. There's no such thing as the normal family. Here's the second thing I want to encourage you to remember. Remember, one size doesn't fit all. One size doesn't fit all. And it kind of leans in from our last point, and that we can't expect to be cookie cutter. We can't expect to be cookie cutter. What I want you to see in this series, though, is the principles we're going to talk about. Don't try and be cookie cutter to what others are doing. Realize the principles and the truths that apply to where you are now. Because they can be applied, the biblical truths can be applied to every generation. Now, we're going to talk about pieces that are specific to family and uh, extended family here in the U.S. And there are some things that are going to translate perfectly over because the Bible deals with this. We'll cover those. We've covered them in previous family series, but we're also going to cover it in this one. When you go to that marriage seminar, the truths that they talk about are going to cross generations and they're gonna use biblical examples for it. But there are also some cultural pieces from scripture past that you may not take word for word into how we live it today. Here's an example. Dads, back in biblical times, when your son hit about 12 years old, you take them to work with you. You begin to train them in what you do. How many dads listening right now take your son at 12 years old to work with you? My guess is none. Maybe you do it for a time or two or a father-son work day or something like that or you have to drop them off at soccer or football. But that's not a practice we have today. But what's the principle behind this that we still practice today? The principle is dads, you are still training your children and you have a responsibility to do so. We live it out. We are the parents who set examples, aunts and uncles, you set examples, grandparents, you set examples, We live it. There's the principle behind it. Understand the season you're in and learn to live in it accordingly. You don't have to try and live in someone else's season. One size doesn't fit all. One season isn't the season everybody's in. I joked earlier, I can try and pretend, as you looked at that graphic, I can try and pretend I'm living in summer right now, and I will have a rude awakening the minute I step outside the doors in flip-flops, a tank top, and a bathing suit. That's not the season I'm in. I've got to live in the season I'm in. In your family, in your stage of life, live in the season you're in. Whether you have one child or you have 10 children, and we have all of that, that spectrum at Spring Lake, maybe you have no children, it will change the perspective of the season you're in. Maybe you're like me and you're an empty nester that will change the perspective of the season you're in. One answer, one size doesn't fit all. The perspective on these topics may change based on the season you're in. Take the principles and apply them to life. Don't try and squeeze yourself in to the wrong box. Next, and this one's crucial. We need to deal with the roots of the tree. The root of the tree Now, many times we'll see a tree like the graphic in this series and we'll look at the fruit and you can tell what kind of tree it is by the fruit that's there. And we'll look at it and go, it's a healthy tree or not a healthy tree based on the fruit. True, but it's not the fruit that makes the tree healthy or not. It's what's going on within the tree and what's going on in the roots. Much of what we will talk about and deal with are with the root of the tree. And it directly affects the fruit of the tree. The health of the root affects the fruit. The health of the roots affects the fruit. We need to look at our own lives. We need to look at our own families and what's going on with the root. Sometimes we get so stuck in the symptoms that we miss the deeper issue. We're looking at the leaves and the the fruit on the tree trying to figure out what's wrong. When it's not a fruit problem, it's a root problem. Roots are where the nourishment comes from. The soil and the watering matter for the roots. Roots are buried to protect them from harsh climates. When something goes wrong with the root, the tree doesn't have a chance. Now, we just came out of Christmas season, and whether you're in downtown or Bellevue, you probably saw we had Christmas trees lining both sides of the platform at both campuses. Guess how many times we had to water those trees? Zero because they were plastic, they were fake. If we were to put real trees up here, we'd have to water them. Here's the warning for you. Don't be plastic, don't be fake. It'd be real easy to put on the nice smile, put on your church clothes, have your best church hair, have your big church Bible and go in and play the games and the tree is still a mess. Don't be a plastic tree, don't be fake. Be real with it because plastic trees don't give off real fruit. They may look good for an hour, but after a while, people begin to figure out this is a fake tree. This isn't real. There will never be fruit on this tree. Let's deal with the root so we have healthy fruit. A real, living, healthy, growing tree needs good roots for strength and stability. Healthy roots to stay alive and real and nourished. The problem is sometimes to deal with the roots, you have to have some tough conversations. To deal with the roots, sometimes you've got to dig in. You've got to put stuff on that's going to kill the bugs that are eating at the roots, and you have to deal with the issues. It's a tough conversation. But it needs to happen, or we'll find ourselves either being fake or dying. And I don't think any of us wants that for our families, no matter where we are. You see, root issues many times, so many times, are heart issues. You don't plant and establish roots as parents, as grandparents. You don't plant and establish roots by what you leave to your children. Now, that's a blessing for them. But that's not how you establish roots for the future. But you plant roots by what you leave in your children. It's not by what you leave to your children or your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles or extended family, expanded family. It's by what you leave in those children. Let's make sure the roots are healthy. How I follow is how I will lead. Your children will see you. Your grandchildren will see you. Your nieces and nephews will see you. Those people in extended family and friends, they see that, how you follow is how you will lead. How are we following Jesus? Let's deal with the root issues. I want my example, I'll speak for myself, I want my example to outlive me. I don't want it to stop with my last breath. I hope it lives beyond me. Sometimes we get to see the results of that and sometimes we don't. But let's deal with the root issues. Here's the last thing I wanna give you. As we go into this series as we go into this marriage seminar and really this season coming up, pray. Ask God what you can learn and how you can be a godly influence in your family. Ask God what you can learn and how you can be a godly influence in your family. If you're a student living at home, what's your role right now in your family and with your friends? If you're a student in a dorm, with a new feel for what extended or expanded family can, can look like or feel like, what's your influence in that group of people that have become your new and expanded family? If you're a mom or a dad, right now, what's your sphere of influence? And how does that get handed on to the next generation? If you're a niece or a nephew, if you're a cousin, how could God use you in your family? Pray. Ask God, how you can be used. I love how the prophet says in the Old Testament, here am I, Lord, send me. Use me. I can touch these lives. I can make a difference. I can change the roots of the family tree for the good. We can see fruit in this family. Pray, ask God what you can do. Ask God to help you open your heart and your mind to be available for what he may speak whether you're married or single, one kids, 10 kids, no kids, where has God placed you? in a family tree, and how can you produce fruit? Ask for God to speak, to connect, to heal, to restore, to deliver, to mature us, that our family tree looks a little healthier, that the root issues are dealt with, that the fruit in the tree is healthier, that we're healthier because of it, Once again, married or engaged, check into this family, uh, this marriage conference if you need it or before you need it. But throughout these next few weeks going into months, let's be prepared to see a difference made in our families and in our lives because of what God wants to do in us, through us, and around us. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you that you did put us in families. And some of us can look at our families and be grateful and rejoice at the blessing that they are and the examples that we had, the godly influences that were poured into us, the joy that we had in parenting our kids. And Lord, there are others who even hear this topic and it brings tension and pressure into their life. Maybe there's anxiety about what they may have to deal with. Lord, no matter what the circumstance or situation, Father, we pray that you speak to us We pray that our our ears will be open, that we'll be attentive to what your Holy Spirit may say, that we can be a blessing in our families and in return when that happens, that our families can be a blessing for us to enjoy. I pray, Lord, that each of us not get wrapped up in somebody else's season or somebody else's solutions or somebody else's problems. But Lord, start with us, start with me. May we be available to listen and see the fruit from the healthy roots.